Today, we are going into discussion about the church at Sardis and the church in Philadelphia. All right, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. We're going to read together. I'm reading from the ESV version, the English Standard Version. And we are reading together on 1, 2, 3. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your works complete in my sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of a synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is about the coming on the whole world. To try those who dwell on the earth, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name and the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Beloved, look over to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, neighbor. oh neighbor, which church will you be? The church in Sardis or the church in Philadelphia? Thank you for being seated in the presence of the Lord. So there was a lot there. There was a lot there that we went through. There's two churches that we're going through today. I'll give you the background on. We're just give you the background on Sardis. You the background on Philadelphia. The reason why this all came up, why we've been going through this series, is because I understand that not each and every single one of you guys will be here in this church for the rest of your lives. Some may branch out, some may go to different places. You guys may move around. But what, what, we, what we need to know as a, as a body of believers is that when we are looking for a church, what are the things that that particular church is to have and is to instill in you? Now, there are many, many churches around the world Thousands upon thousands. But which ones of them has the Holy Spirit living there and dwelling there? So that is the main purpose of what we're going at here. Now what all the things that we've learned so far, I hope you have kept. And that any part of the walk in life that you go in, that you keep that with you. All the folks that have already left and are in college, 
When you're seeking for a church, make sure that you are using Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 as a guide to help you really figure out where to go. Because, beloved, there we, are, we live in dangerous times. We live in such confusing times. We live in places where things will look nice, but, on, but, on, but, but when you look at the reality of it, it's not so nice. So we have to be able to make sure that we hold on to the words of Jesus and we apply that throughout. The, word, the book of Revelation is a revelation that was given to John, who was on the Isle of Patmos um, during the time of his exile. And as we've already mentioned in, in, in the past discussions, this revelation was given to him by Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus felt the need that it was very, very important to talk to the churches and tell them what was going on, that it was so key. Like all the other discussions, all the other things that we see in the word, aside from the gospels, they may be coming from other people, written by other folks. But this right here is directly from God to the angels of the churches. When we say angels of the churches, those are particular messengers. So how did, this, how did these words even get distributed to the people, right? So while John was out on the, on the island of Patmos, and I showed you guys where that was on that little map that I drew, right? Um, while John was out there, these seven people from the, def- from the different churches came out over to the island of Patmos. They got the message, they got the copies, and they took it back to share with their churches, right? So that's how that message particularly spread. So today we are focusing mostly on the church of Sardis. What did we learn from them, right? What is the background on Sardis? Sardis was a difficult place to be. If you guys notice that on all the other churches that we've discussed so far, that there's a, there's a pat on the back. There's a, hey, you guys are doing this and this right, right? But when we talk about Sardis, it goes directly, Jesus Christ wastes no time, essentially. He goes directly into the rebuke. What does that say? There was absolutely nothing good going on in Sardis. There wasn't even one thing to commend them about. If God looks at your life, will he be able to start with something to commend? Or will he go directly into rebuke? That's the question I want you guys to think at the back of your minds today. That when we are looking at a church, it's not so far away from us. We are the church. You, me, when we gather together like this, we are the church. The church is not a building. The church is you, me, how we relate to one another. So when God comes, will he come and give you something good? Will he say, this is what you're doing good? Or will he get directly into the rebuke? Will he tell you the things that you need to fix, the things that you need to clear up? That's a question for you guys to answer on your own. That is what we call a rhetorical question. One that I don't need to know the answer to, but best believe you need to figure that out and sort that out with the Lord as you go about your life. Amen. So what we learn about the church of Sardis, Jesus Christ says in his word that I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. What does that mean to be alive, but dead? Can you guys help me out with that? Yes, Spencer. It's a church, but not 100% church inside of God. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? It's a church, but it's not. It doesn't teach the works of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. So it's a church, but it doesn't teach the works of God correctly. Hmm. That's interesting. So, anybody, any other thoughts on that one? Yeah, Sakia. Mm-hmm. 
It's like visibly living, but it's visually dead? Okay, interesting. Yeah, Stacy. A church without the spirit of God dwelling within them. Amen. You guys, have, you guys definitely hit that on the money. You guys definitely got that correct. So, a church devoid of the Holy Spirit is a dead church. Now, let me step back a little bit and ask you guys a couple questions. When you think of a church, what are some things that you would want in a church? Like, what, what, do, you guys, what do you guys want from church? Speak now, forever hold your peace. What do you guys want from a church? Anybody? Yes? Hmm? What? You want to you feel God here? Okay. You want to feel God here? Thank you. Thank you so much for that. So that, that that's one. Okay. Zay so says, you want to feel God here when we are in church. What else do you guys want from church? You guys want activities and stuff? You guys want... Yeah, I call you want activities? Yeah, okay, cool. I call wants activities. That's what he thinks when he thinks church. Right? Anybody else? What do you want praise and worship to look like? You want, you want it to be live? Right? Okay. You want the music to be bumping? No? Yeah? Everybody agree? Am I using the right words? You guys got to update me on the lingo these days, you know? If people still don't say bumping, then I can upgrade and say something else. Huh? Do people still say that word? All right, cool, cool. So, since you're representing the group here today, yes, you're representing, look at me, uh-huh, yes, you. What, what, what do you want from a church? What, what do you guys want from a church? Yes, I'm Is that what you want? Well, what does that mean to be live in a, in a church? Because sometimes, uh, you want the energy to be there. Well, what's the energy? Hmm? Happy, ready to praise the Lord? Okay, okay. That's, that's, that's nice. Yes, auntie? Uh-huh. Hmm? Good teaching of the word. Amen. Amen. That is really awesome. So just say, good teaching of the word. Right? Feeling high in energy. Right? Um, the Holy Spirit being there. Those are all awesome things. And those are all things that keep, you know, the church alive in, 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 in some ways. Right? You guys all touched on things that deal with spiritual matters. But what's going on here in this church is that they have the reputation of being alive but they are dead. So what does that look like? A church that you go to at times that you look like, this place is really, really great, but you don't know that the Holy Spirit is even there in that church. The reason why the church is great is because they, they play, they're live. They play the type of music that, that, that you want them to play. They say the type of sermons that you want them to say. They, there's no conviction when you're there. They make you feel good. Right? And that's, and that's the only thing. Their church, you know, they do good works, perhaps, right? Maybe they do volunteering. Maybe they help the community a little bit. Because how can you, they have a name of being a church, right? They volunteer. They help the homeless. 
all those things. They throw nice parties. Every Friday or so, they have all these different events for the youth, and the youth go all across the world, right? And, and spread the gospel and, and, and share the mission. But at the end of the day, God still rebukes them, tells them that they are alive. They are alive, but they are dead. Beloved, being alive, there's two ways, there's two aspects of being alive. One can be alive physically, and one can be alive spiritually. If you are alive physically, there is a problem. Because being alive physically and being alive spiritually cannot dwell in the same time. Am I making sense? If you're alive physically, you're catering more so to the flesh, to the things of the flesh. The Word of God tells us that we are to put to death the flesh, that we died, that we die daily. And we pick up our cross. And we put to death the physical things that we so desperately long for, but do absolutely nothing for our spirit. Your spirit is constantly fighting a battle with your flesh. And if you're indulging in the things of the flesh, you are losing. Because you're not strengthening your spirit. We fellowship and we do these things to be able to strengthen in the spirit. So there are many churches that people flock to and they say these churches are alive. But in reality, those churches are dead. We must be careful when we assess what we want from a church. The question of what we want from a church is somewhat of a funny question. The only answer that should be there is that we want the Holy Spirit's presence to be there and all those things that that embodies. There's a lot of times that we, we jump from church to church to church, not for particularly reasons that are related to the Spirit or to the Word of God, but for things that we desire to please our flesh. I mean, if we can all be real. Sometimes you're like, man, I wish... You know, I, I would go to this church and they would play all the music that I want. They would sing all the sermons that I want. But that's not church. That church has a reputation of being alive, but it's dead. Christ has nothing positive to tell this church. You see how crazy that is? We've gone through four churches already, right? And there was at least always something positive to say about those churches before the rebuke came. In here, there is nothing positive to say. One of the things to note down is that sin kills. What it means to, to, to be alive. Sin kills. But the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit gives life to you. Sin is any word, thought, or deed, in other words, action, that is contrary to the word of God. When we are living a life in sin, we are dead. 
we are spiritually dead. We can be living a life in sin and still do all these physical things. Show up to church, right? Look nice, presentable, be kind. We can do all those things and still be dead. Do you guys see how crazy that is? So I want you guys to know that focus on the spirit and focus on where you are with Christ from your spiritual aspect. Amen? So a church that is alive but dead. Some examples. is a church that appeals to the flesh. A church that is filled with unsaved and religious people. Like I said, a church can do good things but still be dead. When a church is a concert, you got to be careful. Without the Holy Spirit, and please note this down, Without the Holy Spirit, your church is dead. Without the Holy Spirit, your church is dead. There's no way that you can maneuver well. There's no way that a church... I mean, listen, there's no, there's no condemnation for the church of Sardis. There's no rebuke for the church. Sorry, in Philadelphia. There's nothing positive for the church of Sardis here. They are not perfect people. What they lack is, 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 is being faithful people. There's a difference between perfect and being faithful. When we go into the next church in Philadelphia, you'll learn that those people, they're not perfect either. But God has nothing bad to say about them. The Holy One has nothing bad to say about them. So God is not asking that you live a perfect life. No one can do so. But He's asking that you live a faithful life. Are you faithful to God in times that are difficult? Are you faithful to God when you have the opportunities that are there? Are you faithful to God when times are good? It can be very difficult to be faithful to God when times are good. Why? Because you say that I don't need God then. Why do I need God if times are good? I only need God when things are struggling. Right? But we have to be able to understand that we must work to just be with Christ. No good deed can bring you to Christ. We don't work for our salvation. We cannot work for our salvation. Does anybody understand what salvation is? Right? Hmm? There's nothing that, that we can work for. We can't work towards salvation. That is one of the key differences. Is there a question? No. That is one of the key differences between the faith, between a Muslim and a Christian. We believe that we are innately bad. There's nothing good about us. Only Jesus Christ, through Christ, are we righteous. So that means that there's nothing good that we can do to be able to earn our salvation. Am I making sense? Like, if you're a bad person, you can't come and say, okay, God, if I... If I, you know, do this and that, then we should be cool, right? No. God's saying that there's nothing that you can do. There's joy in that. That all you can do is really just trust in Jesus Christ and put your faith in Him. Now, you will do good works. Because when you do those good works, it's just an expression of your love that you have for Christ. Because you love God so much that it flows out. 
right? But you're not doing those works as a means of earning your salvation. There's no way that you can do that. Brothers, we cannot earn our salvation. Amen? So, the other part that I want to go into this before we talk about the Church of Philadelphia is that there were a few who stuck with God. If we go back into the word and we look at the verse 4, it says that, Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. White represented purity. White represents cleanliness. White represents holiness. Right? And Jesus is saying that there are some that are in this rotten church but they will still come with me. So, we ask the question at times, why do some people stay in corrupt churches? And you know that a church in Sardis is terrible. Why are the people in Sardis still staying in the church of Sardis? For them particularly, I believe their reason is because... Hmm? Oh, For them particularly, I believe that their church, that was the only church in that area at the time. And if you wanted to go to church in Sardis, that was the place that you would go if you lived in that neighborhood. You didn't have very many options. But now in these days, why do some people stay in corrupt churches? There's reasons that are in some way selfish. People stay for fellowship. Even though they they know that that particular fellowship is not good. It's the only thing they've ever known. They're in search of something other than God. There are people who love the praise and power that they may wield. This is sometimes why some folks stay in corrupt churches. But the encouragement, and I want to encourage you today as well, that if you are one of those, one of the few who have not soiled your garments, who have not participated in just living in a life of sin, that God loves you for it, and God will reward you. This is a pressure, right? Living, being in in a community where everybody... He just let, it, let everything go and is living a sinful life. It brings pressure to you too as well to live that type of way. Right? But let's be like those few in Sardis and be strengthened. At your age, you don't really get to choose necessarily where you go to church. It's just wherever your parents are going, that's where you're going. Right? So the area that you may be in may not necessarily be good, but God is telling you to hold fast. And he will continue to be with you. Amen? So, it is a difficult position to be in. But know that God sees what you do. God sees your heart. And he knows you. And that he loves you. So what is the solution for the church at Sardis? God tells them to do two things. A couple of things, actually. But one of the ones I want to focus on today predominantly is in the verse 2. He goes right to telling them what to do. 
The solution is this. Wake up. Wake up. Waking up is easier to do when the light is shown upon you. And what is the light? The light is truth. But we have to understand that truth is not subjective. We don't live in a, in a life of truth being subjective reality. Truth is objective. Right? Truth is truth whether or not you believe in it. You may disagree with it, but you have to understand that truth is truth. There is no such thing as my truth and your truth. That does not exist. I bring this up because I've heard that, that, that phrase quite some time these days. That people say, hey, just live your truth. What does it mean to live your truth? There is only one truth. And the others are disagreements. So we have to be there as believers. Because this is what causes a lot of dissension between us and the faith. So... I won't go too much on that. But God's saying that wake up and have the truth be shown upon you. And the second part is to strengthen and remain what is about to die. God is saying, get up. There's still a chance. There's still hope. Even for the church of Sardis. Even for a church where God has nothing good to say about them. He's saying that there is still hope. So all of this to say, that when you're looking for a church, make sure that you're finding a church that is spiritually alive and not a church that is physically alive. Am I making sense? You guys are all going to go off to schools, to other places someday. When you're looking for a church, don't just go to that church that everybody's like, oh, this is... You know, I love pastor so, so, and so. If people are going to a church for a pastor, you better run. If you're going to a church for a particular pastor, you need to run. We go to church for God, not for any particular person. Amen? So, when you are looking for a church, make sure that that church is alive in Christ. That church has the Holy Spirit dwelling there. And you will only be able to identify this through prayer. All right? Prayer and test the spirits. How do you test the spirits to see that it's from God? Hmm? Hmm? Confidence and knowledge in Jesus Christ? Yep. So confidence and knowledge in Jesus Christ. You guys got to know Christ. And how do you know Christ? You guys got to get in your word. I will say this every week. So the good Lord takes me away. I will say this every week. Know the word. Spend time in the word. You don't got to answer this question, but how much time did you spend in the word this week? Beloved, you're going to go off to different places and you're going to get slaughtered. Why? Because the devil is not playing games. He is so jealous of you because he knows that he's condemned. And that you have a chance to be with God. Why do you think he would ever try to just back off? He will never relent. And if you don't know what the word says, 
you were easy prey. Because you will go to a certain place and they will tell you all these things and what will you do? You will believe them. They will tell you all these false doctrines and what will you do? You will believe them. So please, 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 read your word. The devil has two jobs. Two jobs. What are those two jobs? Not the, not the steal, kill, and destroy part. That is, that is his ultimate goal, yes. But two jobs. Here are the two jobs. Please note them down. That the enemy deceives on earth and he accuses in heaven. Satan deceives on earth and he accuses in heaven. Revelation tells us in, I think, chapter 12 or so that that the accuser of the, of, of the brethren, that he accuses us before the Lord day and night in heaven. And then he's deceiving you on earth. He's bringing false prophets, false pastors, false churches, all these things to come and make you think in a different way that is not in a line with the word of God. So what do you do? You're going your whole life thinking that you were saved. What I don't want for any of you guys is that someday you will go up to the Lord. And someday you will go up to the Lord. And the Lord will say, depart from me, I never knew you. That is such a sorry, sorry, sorry state to be in. I want you guys to get this stuff. I want you guys to take these things seriously. The Holy Spirit will open your eyes and show you guys all of these things. It is so, so, so important. Satan is doing these two different things. He's telling you, hey, you don't need God. What is God like? Like, you're better than God, right? God doesn't want you to be as smart as him, right? Live your life. Live your truth. Whatever you want to do in life, right? And then while he's saying all those things and you are agreeing to it, he's going up to heaven and he's going to God and he's saying, God, look what he's doing. You said that he's holy. You said that he's good. You said he's your people, right? And God's hands are tied. Because you're in disobedience to his word. You see how the devil works. Am I making sense to somebody? So please, how do we win with Christ and the true word that he has given us? Anything that is in direct contradiction with the word of God is false. You may not agree. But it is false. Any other questions about the church at Sardis before we go into the church of Philadelphia really quickly? Okay. So, then we talk about the church in Philadelphia. This is probably like the, the gold standard, right? The church in Philadelphia is, a, is the gold standard. Philadelphia is also in Turkey. I'm not talking Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, like two, three hours away. But that is where they got the name from, right? This is a church in Asia Minor, church in Turkey. Pretty close to Smyrna, maybe like 30 miles away. I think like 30 miles away or so from that church. Um, 30 miles away from, 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 from Thyatira, right? That we talked about the other day. So, these guys 
What does the word say about them? That they have little power. What does it mean that they have little power? That they're a small church. Amen. Exactly. So these guys, don't, they're not like weak or anything. They just, they're just a small church. Right? So they're a small couple of believers, fellowshippers together. It's a small church. Right? But even though that they're a small church, God loves them. And he showers his blessings upon them. The church in Philadelphia, there's absolutely no rebuke. And let's look at how God opens his, his letter to them. Because it's very special. Because the way that he opens the letter to them, he doesn't open it that way to any other church. He doesn't say that in, the, in chapter 1, where he reveals the different characteristics of him. He says in verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Beloved, I want you guys to note this down, and that you remember it for the rest of your lives, and that you come back to it over and over and over. That God will open a door that no man can close. And he will close a door that no man can open. God will open a door that no man can close. And he will close a door that no man can open. When there are certain challenges going on in your life, when you're going through certain things, I hope this is encouraging to you. Now, whatever it is that you're desiring, if that thing is closed and it stays closed, then God has better things for you. But trust and know that God is the one who is able to open that particular door. Trust that God is the one that's able to help you get through it. And he will lock a door that no man can open. So there's nothing that you can do in your power, in your strength, to force a door open that the good Lord has shut closed. God shuts down doors and jobs, relationships. What is it that he has closed? And are you okay with the fact that he closed it? A lot of times this is why we, we draw further away from God. Because we're not happy that God closed certain doors. That we have to trust and we have to know that he said that he loves us. And that he shuts certain doors that no one can open. You don't know what's behind that door. We just have to trust that if God closed it, and he did so for a reason to protect us. Rejection is God's protection, as they always say. And that if God opened it, then it's yours. What is yours is yours. What is yours is yours. And the enemy can never take that away from you. The enemy will try, but they can never take that away from you. What God has given you belongs to you. Amen?
So, what are the good things that we learn about the Church of Philly? Philadelphia, I should say, sorry. Um, it said he will keep them from the hour of trial in the verse 10 that I'm looking down at. He will keep them from the hour of trial. They have kept the word about patient endurance. Have patience. What do we take from this today? Have patience and endure patiently. Things are going to be rough, man. Like, I'm only like, I'm almost 26. Birthday coming up soon. Don't know if you guys want cupcakes or cake next week. Just let me know. But anyway, coming back to the topic. So I'm about to be old, right? Actually, I'm already old. Thanks. I get it. But I've already looked at so much. And I'm like, Lord, God willing, you so many more years. What else is left, Lord? So too will you guys go through a lot of difficult things. And when you're going through those things, have patience. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because all those things are building you up. And God will strengthen you through it all. And then in verse 11, just to close, it says that I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The crown is that reward that Jesus Christ has for them. So though you were good, the church of Philly, nothing bad against them. Though they are good. Satan will not try to stop. Satan will not stop trying to attack them. It's a battle all the way till you see the Lord. But what I want each and every single one of you guys to say is to say what Paul said. He said that I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. Will you be able to say that 50, 60, 70, 80 years from now, whenever the Lord decides to call you home, will you be able to look back on your life and say that I have run the race? Oh, will your life, when you look back on it, will it be filled with regret? Will it be filled with saying that, God, I wish I had accepted you sooner. God, I wish I had loved you sooner. God, I wish I had been with you. Because look at all that I could have done. Even in my own life, at times, I feel regret. That, God, why didn't I walk with you sooner in my life? I don't want that for you. So choose this day who you will serve. And I pray that it be the Lord. I want you guys to be able to look back on your lives and say that, yes, I truly did live it for God. I laid it all there. I shared the good news. I lived my life for God. And I don't look back on anything. I don't regret a thing. I don't want that from any of you guys. Don't have guilt. Because Christ says that we are a new creation. Right? You are a new creation. For him. So I don't know what is blocking you from living like the Church of Philadelphia. I don't know what is going on in your life that is causing that problem, that is causing that distance between you and God. It could be some beef that you've had with the Lord, 
I've had beef with the Lord before too in the past. When you beef with the Lord, you're not going to win. Who will you who will you turn to? Anything else that you turn to will just only take advantage of you. When you turn to the world, the world will will show you love. But eventually the world will turn on you as well. But only God will really pull us through. Your friends can't pull you through. Only God can and he will. So as I close, I just want to take some time for us to be in prayer for a couple of minutes. Really about this, for us to stand and just pray and just whatever part of your life. I know know that some of you are desperately trying to give your life to God, but there is something that causes that break, something that, that, that causes that confusion. And we need to give that to the Lord today. That God will clear all of that stuff up and he will be with us. So, if you want to be able to look back on your life and say that I laid everything out on the floor, I gave it all to God. But there's these things here that are bugging me, these things here that are keeping me from living a holy life. Let us pray and commit that to the hands of the Lord. Beloved, let us pray.